Greetings again. If you please take your Bibles with me this afternoon and turn to Jeremiah chapter 42. Jeremiah 42. Today we've been spending some time here in these chapters, and I've made it a priority of putting them all together because of partly because of their obscurity and the fact that not many people know the history and um, kind of get it all at once. I don't want you to get part of it here this week and then part of it next week and then part of it the following week to try to put it all together in um, one week. <clears throat> I'd like to come for us this afternoon and spend a little bit of time doing two things. One is looking to a particular statement made by Jeremiah and studying it together understanding it together. And then the second thing is to meditate and apply it together. And my goal in this is that, one, you be admonished in the truth of God's Word, and also that you learn, perhaps, to better know how to find answers and how to study the Bible on your own. So we're going to look at a particular statement of Jeremiah here, and I'm going to show you in an old-fashioned way how I studied it so that you can hopefully learn from how I study to be able to help you in your study. Now, in case you've already checked out thinking that studying the Bible is only for pastors, I want to let you know that studying the Bible is for all people who love and fear God is to know His Word and to value His Word and to truly understand. And, and much of His Word involves several different, you might say, disciplines. There's, there's the reading of it, there's the memorizing of it, there's the meditating upon it, and there is also the studying it. Um, because oftentimes, if you're going to meditate upon it, um, you're going to need to understand it. A few weeks ago, Brother Reisinger shared with us about how the seed is taken away that's sown, and the seed we know is the Word of God, and it's taken away. And it says specifically, because they did not understand it. And um, when he preached that, I had actually, I, I, I have preached that passage through many times, but the, it never struck me quite the way as it did um, that day when he shared it. And I realized how indeed that is a challenge of what a passion I have in teaching the Bible is that as I am sowing the seed, that indeed it is understood. And um, there's a certain part in which the teacher has in that, and there's a certain part in which all of us as students have in that. <clears throat> You'll notice here I have a stack of books. Um, I'll give you a heads up. A lot of times people think that part of understanding the Bible and learning about the Bible is having a, a bunch of commentaries. But um, the tools that I brought here into the pulpit with me are not commentaries. Um, the truth of the matter is um, many of the tools that I've taken here um, that are related to the Bible are nothing more, to put it bluntly, than the Bible. Um, and tools that have taken and helped to rearrange the Bible to help us to tie things together from the Bible. And um, the main resource that I have here is um, a concordance. Now, I, we, are, we are in a, an interesting age in which we are moving from paper books into the digital world. And there are wonderful things about the digital world. 
but I know for a fact that many of you families are intentional about the raising of your children, and you probably are very careful about their access to digital devices. If you're not, I hope you are. And um, because of that, there's actually a great danger of something being lost in the movement from books to digital, and that is having resources in our homes to help us to study the Bible and to know the Bible. And things that you may habitually just take out of your pocket and look up, which is awesome because I have 10,000 more resources than what is right here in the palm of my hand. But oftentimes we're careful about just handing this to a child. And then also, because we have 10,000 times more resources, the truth is, is that we often don't know how to use the most basic of resources that have been used for... Uh, a very long time in Christian circles, and we don't even know how these work and how they work into the devices that we have, and so we've lost some things. And so what I'd like to do this afternoon is to, to go to our, our Bibles in a passage that we looked at just this morning and to together study it and let me show you how I studied it and how you could take this and develop an entire sermon um, out of this. Now, for me, it's developing an entire sermon so that I can preach to you. And you might think, well, I'm not preparing sermons. Well, that is somewhat true, but I'll give you a note. All of us are preparing sermons or should be preparing sermons in one way or another, even if we preach them only to ourselves. Um, I have prepared in my life far more sermons for my, that I've had to preach to myself than I ever thought about preparing to preach to other people. Um, and we really need to be living that way. That's what is really another description of the Bible that describes us eating God's Word. You know, I have a little one-year-old who goes around eating books, and that's not what it talks about, about eating the Word of God. Yeah, I have a few pages here that are carefully taped back together because one of my little kids tried eating it. Um, and, you know, that's not what it's talking about. But eating it is to really understand it and to apply it, and really may I say it and put it in these terms, to preach a sermon to yourself that comes from the Word of God. So let's look at our text today. In Jeremiah chapter 42 and verse 20, Jeremiah rebukes the people, as we saw this morning. For ye dissembled in your hearts... When ye sent me unto the Lord your God, saying, Pray for us unto the Lord our God, and according to all that the Lord our God shall say, so declare unto us, and we will do it. And we know that that wasn't really what was in their hearts. And we know that one, because of what flowed from all of this, but two, because Jeremiah states it crystal clear here. But is it crystal clear? We have a word here, dissembled. Now, no reason to be embarrassed, but I want to ask a question, and I want you to, and, and no reason to feel like you're being proud if you raise your hand, but how many of you use the word dissembled in your regular vocabulary? Any of you? None of you? I'm shocked. No, I'm not. I'm not shocked at all. I highly doubted that any of you use this word in your general vocabulary. 
Now, let me warn you of a very grave danger. We use the King James Bible. There's a lot of people who think the King James Bible is quote-unquote old English. It's not. In fact, if you go to the University of Notre Dame, the main English professor chair of the English department says, you want to understand the English language, understand the King James Bible, because the entire modern English is built upon the King James Bible. This is the foundation of modern English. Old English is more like German. You wouldn't have a clue. Don't ever refer to this as Old English because Old English is a technical term that refers to a particular part of the English language back when it was almost German. This is not Old English. If you want to give it its title, it's what they call Elizabethan English. But um, sometimes here's the danger. We are using our Bibles, and whether we are using a more modern version, which this is still considered a modern version, even the Dewey Decibel System considers this a modern version, um, this, this modern version, sometimes we dismiss these words as, oh, that must be, quote, that must be Old English. That must be archaic. Be careful about doing that. The real truth of the matter I have found is that it's not that I don't find words that are archaic. I just find that the vocabulary of the Holy Spirit and of the translators just happens to be a little higher than my own. And that's not a problem. It should cause us not to just dismiss either our version or our Bibles, because even the most modern versions I have used and referenced, and I still have to look up words in the most modern uh, versions, because guess what? I am very limited in my intelligence and in my exposure to vocabulary. So my first caution for you is, is as you are reading and you come to these words, one, don't just dismiss it as some old word, or worse, assume what it means and just keep on going. Now, from the context, you could probably figure out what this was meaning, and if you were just together as a family reading through your Bible, not for the goal of studying your Bible, but just reading through your Bible, you may not take the time to study this word. But from time to time, and I think it ought to be not just from time to time rarely, but from time to time regularly, we need to be as good workmen that needeth not to be ashamed. Sometimes we actually are shamed because we don't study to show ourselves approved. And all Christians need to study the Word of God. This is the inspired Word of God. This is the very Word of God. And um, you, you shouldn't be surprised that there are concepts and even words that are higher than you or your own vocabulary. And so don't dismiss it as, oh, that's just old English, or oh, that's just, you know, for somebody smarter than me, but to take the effort to study it. And um, you'll find, you will find in the King James some words that are archaic, meaning that they, don't, they aren't used nowadays, or that they have changed somewhat their meaning um, to the modern times. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of words that aren't archaic. And this one just so happens to not be archaic. So, I have here one of the most basic, let me summarize for you some of the resources that I have here in the pulpit with me. I have a dictionary. You all have dictionaries, right? This is another thing that I'm concerned we sometimes lose in the cross into digital. You know, it is so nice to carry a dictionary around on my phone. I've even paid the money so I don't have to have apps, and I get this dictionary on my phone without ads. Did I say apps? Without ads, because I want a distraction-free um, and usable dictionary. And it's wonderful. I can carry this whole book with me everywhere I go. And you know, I use it all the time, all the time to understand words. Well, here's a resource to understand words. And this is of, of modern, contemporary 
English. It's also a collegiate dictionary that has the idea that it's a higher level. Um, in my home, I have several different dictionaries that are paper dictionaries because sometimes I look up a word in this dictionary and um, I'll be perfectly transparent with you. Um, some of you guys think I'm smart. Well, this will show you that I'm not really that smart. I will look up a definition and when I read the definition, I have to look up two or three other words to understand the, the definition. Um, that's okay. We need to continually growing. And sometimes you'll find that in, in this case here, and you'll grow and you'll understand some things. In fact, actually, if you look up this word here today um, that we're looking at, and we look up the word dissembled, and I've already done all the effort for you and made it like it's your app. I've already bookmarked it, so I've got it right here. It takes a little bit of time using these, especially when I have to wear my glasses to even read it. Don't have to do that on my phone. But what is this dissembled? For ye dissembled in your hearts. What's, what's this word mean? Well, I look it up in a modern dictionary, 2013, and um, it says here that to dissemble is to hide under a false appearance. To put on the appearance, to put on a false appearance, to conceal facts, intentions, or feelings under some pretense. Oh, that sounds exactly like what Jeremiah is talking about. Exactly, because that's what he's talking about. He is saying that these people are different in what they have said than what was in their heart. That's what he's saying. He's saying your hearts are different than what you said. You said this, but your heart was different. You had a false pretense. Now, when I study words, I, I go, I, I, depends on if I'm teaching. If I'm going to teach it, I'll start, with, um, I'll start with a modern dictionary like this and look up the word. But sometimes I get a word and it's like, huh, that's interesting. I wonder if that word has carried that sense for as many years or if that's just the current word. So I have another dictionary, and this one's available online. It's an expensive dictionary to buy as paper. But um, this is the dictionary that Noah Webster, you know Noah Webster, he's famous. He's the guy who wrote the dictionary. And um, you may not know this, but um, Noah Webster wrote this dictionary. And again, do you know what was his basis and foundation for writing this dictionary? The Bible. That's another reason, the reason why. When this Bible was translated and put together, it was the first standardization, your King James Bible particularly, of the English language, like the first standardization of it. And as this, this was continued through the years, it continued a standardization. So when Noah Webster was using, making his dictionary, the Bible was very much a standard. So you'll find in this dictionary, first of all, it's theologically focused. He'll quote Bible very often. But sometimes it's helpful to review the differences between the two um, because words do change to some degree senses over time. And so if you see what it is in here and then you go see what it is in here, you can see if there's been any significant changes or senses over time. And sometimes there is and sometimes there's not. Well, let's see here. I look it up here in 1828 dictionary and we find a symbol and it says to be hypocritical. Now, that might be, for some of you, a word you need to look up to, the word hypocritical. Hypocritical means two-faced, being one thing on the outside and a different thing on the inside. Um, to be hypocritical, to assume a false pretense, to conceal the real facts, motives, intentions, or sentiments under some pretense. Guess what? The definition hasn't changed. The word dissemble means the same 
in our English language and has continued to carry. And it's not an archaic word. It's right here in a modern dictionary, 2013. And so what, here it is. But is there anything else we can learn about this word that can help us to understand what's going on here? And more importantly, not just to understand knowledge, but to apply it, to apply it. Here he says that you have dissembled in your hearts. That's an important concept. Dissembled in your hearts. So is there any way to understand this? Well, I've often told you that the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Good, you've got it. Well, sometimes that's not so easy. How do you, how do you understand different things and how does, the, how does that happen? Um, there's two ways that this happens. One is by the natural, ongoing, regular eating of the Word of God. Um, sometimes people struggle with the ongoing and just the routine reading of the Word of God because they feel like it just gets rote. And that is a legitimate concern and issue. But, um, and, 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 and it's a legitimate complaint when you think about it in the sense of, of the Word of God being food. Um, how many of you have like a staple breakfast, like oatmeal or eggs? How many of you have, for the most part, you have a staple kind of a breakfast? So in our house, it's either oatmeal or eggs. And sometimes I get this, we want something better. We want something fancy. You know, they don't even know what Eggs Benedict is yet. And they're, you know, but they know that there's some other things better than oatmeal. But you know what? For how many years do we still keep on eating oatmeal? And my parents eat oatmeal. And my grandma still eats oatmeal. And Grandpa Walter used to make grandma oatmeal every single morning for like the day they retired all the way through until he died. He, he made her breakfast. And you know what was most of the time? Oatmeal. And you know what? You might say, well, that's boring. Well, it nourished them. And the same, I believe, is parallel true with the Word of God. There is a sense in which we need to be daily reading the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation, a consistent diet. And you know what? I'll, I'll be blunt with you. Sometimes you might feel like it's oatmeal. And I hate to say that, but at the same time, I hate to say that. Look at all of us. We live off of oatmeal. And so, you know, we survive. There's nourishment. And sometimes we may be like, oh, this is boring, oatmeal. But yet, whether we, and sometimes we don't even realize that we are being nourished by it. And so just because you come through a time of reading your Bible and you were like, that was blah. I mean, it didn't even have maple syrup in my oatmeal. That was blah. Don't get all bent out of shape about it recognize that even in that time, there is nourishment that's taking place because this word is alive. Now, there's a problem if always it is blah. You need to spend some extra time studying, understanding, because sometimes that <laughs> the birds come and swipe the seed away because we're not understanding. So it's not enough to just read, especially to read without an understanding. But don't neglect the reading. So that's one way in which we can help and understand the Bible is a commentary on the Bible. There have been so many times where I have a question, and here's another part for you to help you. When you're reading the Bible, ask questions. Be curious. 
be curious, always be curious. What does this mean? What does this mean? What does this mean? How does this apply? I, what, what does this have to do with the Old Testament, with the New Testament, all of these pieces? How does it all fit together? Ask those questions. Even make a list of questions. I actually have a long list of questions. Dr. Wickham, uh, one of my favorite Bible teachers, talks about he has a whole list. And he studied the Bible most of his life. And he's like a thousand times smarter than I am. And he has a list of questions. And he used to joke about hoping that he wouldn't drop it when the rapture came. Because he was going to get those questions answered. And so we do have questions. And we want to keep having questions. And here's the thing is that if you actually sit and you formulate a question... Maybe write it down or just formulate it in your mind as the months and even years go by and you are just eating your oatmeal each morning in the Word of God. You know how many times questions I have had even from a child have been answered from the eating of my oatmeal when I am just reading and it's like, I never saw. I never understood. This is how this, and, and sometimes it's hard because um, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a luxury I have now because, because I'm a pastor and I, I actually get to study the Word of God a whole lot more. But um, back in the days when sometimes I actually had to work, you know, 40 to 80 hours a week and I'd get excited and it's like, I got to put this away and go to work and I have to do coding. This is terrible. But, you know, that's an exciting part. You can kind of start to get those answers and you learn and develop. And it's a really important part of Again, what I call the oatmeal of Scripture, and you take that oatmeal, and as it goes by, that oatmeal will sometimes answer questions you've had, and it's really an important piece of it. And so, in, in, in understanding and letting the Bible commentate on the Bible is to, one, be um, reading it, and two, to be asking questions, always asking questions, and then another part is to study. And you can start by studying words in English, and then another way of letting the Bible compare with the Bible is to use a Strong's Concordance. Now, I want to ask the question, how many of you know what a concordance is? But I'm afraid I wouldn't get an honest answer, so I'm going to ask it a different way. I'm going to ask two questions. One, how many of you have a paper concordance in your home? Oh, good, 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 good. Um... I'm not saying you can't have a digital, too, but I think a paper is very important for homes and families because you may limit your kids' device times and screen time, and that's probably a good thing, so they need to be able to actually still find things, and this is a great tool. This is also a great tool because a lot of people have a concordance, and there's two problems. They either never use it, or they don't know how to use it, or they use it only in a limited way. Now, I'm not bemeaning those who, who use it in a limited way. Now, for those who never use it, that might be a problem. You need to use and be searching your Bible um, and using either concordance or, or a phone device, an electronic way of searching your Bible. And so a way that we might have the Bible comment commentary on the Bible is to look up words in a concordance. Now, the most basic way, which probably is the way I hope that if you know what a concordance is, you know and have done it, and that's this word on the symbol. You would look it up in the dictionary, and you would see all the other times that that word is used in the Bible. Now, how do we understand what words mean? How did Noah Webster write his Webster's Dictionary or the Merriam-Webster Dictionary modern day? 
um, is they see how people use words and then they formulate definitions on how people use words. So if we want to understand how the word means in the Bible, the best way for us to understand what it means is to see how the Bible uses that word. Or let me put it this way, to see how the Holy Spirit used that word. And a concordance is a great tool to help you do that. So let's use it for this one here. And we look up the word dissembled. And um, actually, if we combine all the different ways it's written in English, we've only got um, five references in the whole Bible. So if you wondered why you don't use this word very much in your vocabulary, well, the Bible doesn't either. In fact, actually, in this form, it's only used three times. So I'm not at all surprised that you nor I really use this word or even necessarily understand this word. So what a concordance tells me is that there's three other places this word is used. <clears throat> and if you look up these, you will find that they are used, um, they are used um, in three different places, and one of them is here in Jeremiah. And, and we find that they're the same thing. It's this context of people who are, who are being hypocritical. And, um, and also of the fact of, in Proverbs, used ones that I'm not going to go with those kind of people. I'm not going to hang out with those kind of people. And um, that's an important piece there. Think about it. You read the Proverbs saying, I'm not going to hang out with the dissemblers. How many of you, when you read that, understood what it meant? But yet it's a command. And it's a command from God. And do we understand what it means when God says, don't hang out with the, and doesn't use the word hang out. I'm, I'm colloquializing it. Don't hang out with the dissemblers. Well, how are we obeying it if we don't understand it? There is an illustration in which a quick using of even just in English to say, I'm supposed to obey what I read, what I hear from the Word of God. Hey, you've got to be pulling out that dictionary. And what a, what, how far we are without excuse when we carry them in our pockets like this to understand what these words are. Be careful, by the way, of just Googling words when anybody and everybody can just make up definitions. Um, actually, spend a little bit of money. You know, you can buy the, the app version of this exact dictionary. Um, for a whole lot less than you can buy the paper edition for. And, and look up the words so you understand what it means. And so here we see it in these different places. But it is still a pretty obscure word. And we see how here, hey, that's actually got some preaching power. Proverbs says, don't hang out with these kind of people. Here we've got these dissemblers. And by the way, that proverb had already been written by this time with Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is saying, you have dissembled in your heart. Well, any of those people would know and say, if they had understood that proverb, don't hang out with them. Don't keep company with them. You see, there's an application here, is that those people who were there in that day and hearing this message from Jeremiah, if they obeyed the proverb, which had already been written and they actually had in that time, they would know there's a problem here that Jeremiah has pointed out. And if I'm going to obey the scriptures here, I'm going to obey when Jeremiah points the sin out in these lives. So you see that even though this word has just been used in your Bible three, five times in all its forms, you can see in the English forms, I'm just, we're just using English right now, in its English forms, you can see how now there is profound application. Just those people that day should have obeyed the proverb. So too in my day, are there hypocrites? Are there those in the church around me, in my family? who are living double lives, are two-faced, are hypocrites, 
who have in their hearts something different than what is on the outside. And as we actually study this word some more, we're going to find out some more details as to what this word means, looking at it using some other tools. But hey, I, 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 need, to, I need to be right in, in my associations. And I need to be really careful about being with those who are dissemblers. Dissemblers. So right there, you see, we can, we've seen an application. You see how we've been rewarded by just doing a little bit of study, learning it just using English dictionary tools. We have, we have been able to be admonished from one little word in one little passage here from an example of these people. And then by using a concordance, still just with the English, we've been able to see another use of that word to see how even at this point in Jeremiah's life, in Jeremiah's ministry, he's saying this is a problem and they could apply the proverb. So when we look at our own lives and we identify this as a problem, we can apply it in our own lives. So we can get rewarded in this. Now, I'm curious... In what I've just described using the Strong's Concordance, and by the way, there's other concordances. You have Young's Concordance, Crude's Concordance, a few others. Um, the simple concordance. How many of you know of other ways you can use this concordance? How many of you know of other ways you can use this concordance besides what I just now did? Really? Mom, why aren't you raising your hand? <laughs> She's just putting it up like this. Good, good. Some of you do. Um, you've just answered a question for me that's going to take a whole lot longer than 10 minutes to explain. Um, it's important that you know how to use the secondary part of a concordance um, because it will help you to understand the words in your Bible. Here's what it is, the most basic, simple form just in this book. This is the reason why some of your computer software, you think, oh, well, I don't need a concordance because I'll use my search tool in my app. Search tools and apps are awesome. Love them. Saves millions of time. I don't know about millions, but lots of time. Well, it depends how much you look. Um, but there's some other tools in here that we sometimes miss in the digital world. And it has to do with the understanding and meaning of words. And here's why. Um, did you know that when you try to translate, translate words from one language to another language, it can be really hard, and it can be really difficult to say this word means that word. Now, sometimes it's real easy. Like, most of the time, well, actually, I shouldn't say that because I already thought of exceptions in the limited language I know of. There's, 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 there's some parallels, but not always. Even take the English word, well, we don't have time to go into it, all kinds of different. And it takes some nuances. There's different little nuances that are true in different languages. So you can't just take every Hebrew word or Greek word, which the Bible was originally written in, and just word for word translate it over into English. It doesn't work. None of us would understand it if you did that. You have to translate grammar and other details and also senses of words. Um, even, even nowadays... Um, we have words that have multiple senses and meanings. In fact, even your dictionary has it has one, two, three. And there's some words, I looked up recently the word stand. Wow, do we use the word stand in so many different contexts and meanings and significance and different senses. Well, the same is true in the Greek. And so when it comes over into the English, it doesn't always come over as the same word. And so you can use a concordance 
because every concordance, and I'll set this out for you, and I beg you, please take some time to look at it, and we're going to have to come back to this in a class later. But to, to look at, there's the little number besides each reference. So in this concordance, and this one's actually really nice because it's got nice readable text, even though it's small. Um, every time that this word dissembled is used in here in this, sen in this form, it occurs three times. And we find out, oh, that's interesting. Uh, we see that there are different words from the Hebrew. So actually, this word dissembled occurs, uh, so dissembled, dissemblers, and dissembleth occurs five times, and in the Greek and Hebrew, it comes from five different words. It comes from five different words. Now, what does that mean for us, and does that make a difference, and can we do anything about it if we don't know Greek and Hebrew? Well, thanks to men like Strong and Young and others, he will show us a number. He won't show us even the Hebrew or Greek word. He'll give us a number. And he has gone through the entire Bible and given every Greek word and every Hebrew word a number for us English people to just know a number. So if you can read your numbers, you can take that number and then you can go to the back of your Strong's Concordance, and in the back of your Strong's Concordance, he will tell you that particular number that is tied to a particular Hebrew word, and he will tell you how that Hebrew word is translated, all the different ways it's translated in your Bible. And so now you can, you can then, the, the old-fashioned way, the way my mom does it, ooh, she does it the hard way, is that she'll look up all those different words then in, the, in this concordance. And she'll go down through and she'll compare the number to the number to the number to see that she's getting the exact same Hebrew word that's used here and see all the different ways that it's used, all the different ways that the Holy Spirit used that Hebrew word. And it's really a, a, a valuable resource and lesson to do. Now, nowadays with computers, the computer tools are amazing. I know I've been trying to convince my mom of it for decades. Um, she still uses this. Um, so there's nothing wrong with this here. But the computer tools, you just click on it, and it jumps to it, and it gives you all the details. Um, and it will actually then link to all those references just like this, and you get it all just like this. But I think it's important. Most of the people don't know any of that because they don't know how to use a concordance beyond just the basic use of it. So concordance will help you to understand further words. And we don't have time to do it further on this one here, and especially considering the fact that there's so few of you who have an understanding of it. Um, I'm going to wait because we need to come back to this where we can actually sit down together and maybe even in smaller groups and learn this together because it's a very important way to, it's a very important thing you need to learn. And, um, and we need to do that. So I had some more things I was going to go to with another tool and resource here. But if you don't know this, there's no sense in me going to this um, at this point. But I'll tell you that you don't need to know any Greek and know any Hebrew to be able to learn some significant pieces about this word dissembled. And so in the last few minutes that we have, I'm going to share with you some of the conclusion, to go a little bit out of the academic of this, the conclusion and some of the application of my study of this word and, the, and using only the Hebrew word that's behind this. And we're going to look at a few passages. Now, 
There's several different times this Hebrew word is used in your Bible. And you can look at some of those, and some of those are relevant and parallel to this, and some of them aren't. But all of them carry a different sense of helping us to understand what this word means in Jeremiah. And I'd like to show you some of those, just a few, as we wrap up. He says that you've dissembled in your hearts. What's that word dissembled means? So we saw it in the English dictionary as one who has a, is a hypocrite, one who has a false pretense, one who is not the same on the outside as he is on the inside. Was well, there anything more we can learn about that word by looking at how the original Hebrew word is used in other parts of the Bible? The answer is yes. I'm going to give you just a few references, and you can write these in your Bible here next to this word dissembled, um, because I think these are the key. There's many more, but these, I think, are key to helping us understand what's going on here. And the first one is a very famous verse that you all know. Isaiah 53. Turn there with me. Isaiah 53. The Hebrew word dissembleth, the translated dissembleth in Jeremiah chapter 42, is used in Isaiah 53 and verse 6. This verse says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Did you catch the word dissembleth in there? Well, the English word dissembleth isn't there. A more descriptive nuance of the original Hebrew word appears here. You see, a dissembleth, in the English sense strictly, is carrying a certain part of a sense in which one who is gone astray in the heart. The word here, Hebrew word, have gone astray. So if we look back to Jeremiah, we're trying to understand this dissembleth. You see how the English word, the English definition has given us a true and accurate representation of these people um, having a different pretense, being hypocritical. And that's an accurate understanding. But it also has a nuance in which going astray in the heart. So these people out front were acting like, we will do whatever God tells us to do. We will obey. When the truth is, in their heart, they were already going astray doing their own thing. Do you see why the translator is translated as the symboleth? On the outside, they were saying, we will do what God says. But in their heart, they had already gone astray. They were already in their hearts in Egypt. That's why it's so important for us today that when we seek counsel or when we go to God in prayer and seek His wisdom, His direction, that our hearts have not already gone astray and we are just giving lip service to God. Are we dissemblers? Are we hypocrites? Are we, and this is dangerous and quite common, Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep. This is a common problem of going astray. 
And that also tells me of, again, the idea and the concept of the English word dissembleth being used here by the translators is because sometimes, especially those who are raised in a Christian circle and who move among Christian people, they have all the things they say right and even sometimes do right when their heart is far from God. Don't, don't act like all is well if your heart has gone astray. Turn with me back to Proverbs 21. Proverbs 21, where we find this Hebrew word used there as well. Proverbs 21 and verse 16. This one's using the actual Hebrew word, and that's quite interesting. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. Here the dissembler is one who has wandered out of the way. And the proverb is saying he may look like he's living, but that's a dissembling. He may look like he's living, but in his heart he's wandered like going astray out of the way. And it says he'll remain in the congregation of the dead. Do you think you can find any relevant application between the sermon of Jeremiah and this proverb? Do you see the parallel? The whole sermon of Jeremiah is, listen, you have two choices. Stay in the land where you will be planted, where you will be built up, where you will be delivered, or go to Egypt where you will die by sword, by famine, or by pestilence. Choice is yours. And the ones who are dissembling, that is, who have wandered out of their way to Egypt already in their hearts, even though they're still here in the land and they're acting like they're doing right, they're dead. The congregation of the dead. It's a big deal to be dissembling. It's a big deal to go astray. It's a big deal to wander. And it's interesting that it talks about in the heart. In the heart. Take your Bibles and turn with me back to Psalm 95. Psalm 95 and verse 10. God is kind of preaching another sermon, kind of similar to Jeremiah's sermon. And he's reminding his people, the children of Israel, of, of their history. And um, in reviewing their history, he speaks of them way back after they left Egypt. This is when they left Egypt. Here they're wanting to go back to Egypt in Jeremiah's day. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. You know what that means? That means they're going to die. 
beaten. They're not going to enter into the promised land. Which, by the way, Pastor Virgil several months ago was preaching on this from Hebrews, because Hebrews quotes this passage. What's the dissembling? They do err in their heart. If you go back and you study some of that history and what was going on there, you'll find out that those people were acting like and were talking and behaving. It's kind of hard to say this. In that time, they acted like the problem was with Moses and Joshua and Caleb, and they were all the ones in the right. When here it says that they erred in their heart. Notice again, it's talking about the heart again. There's a problem on the inside, on the inside. See how this word dissembleth is tied consistently to the heart? There's some application there. That's the reason why the translators again use that word dissembling, because it's about not just what's on the outside that you see, but what's going on on the inside. And so here now we have seen that this word dissembling carries the nuance of what's on the inside and the outside being hypocritical and contradictory, because on the inside, the heart has one word phrase, gone astray, one way of looking, one, one sense in it, wandering away, which is similar, and here now, it's the word error. That means what's wrong. You know, that's why when somebody gets something wrong, we say, ah, the buzzer, ah, err, wrong. Wrong. Wrong, err, in their heart. And look at that, have not known my ways. That's what was going on in the days of Jeremiah. They had erred in their hearts, even when Jeremiah was giving them the clear ways of the Lord, choose life or choose death. They erred in their ways and did not know the ways of God, even though they acted all spiritual about it. One more is in Psalm 58. Psalm 58. And this one ties back and is similar in meaning to to the way Isaiah used it. Isaiah fifty-eight. I'm going to read verses. Oh, I want to really want to read the whole chapter. It's relevant. See, this is why I get in trouble when I'm studying words, because we see things in Jeremiah, and I want to preach Jeremiah, and then I find out that there's something in Isaiah 53 that's really exciting to preach, and then I see that there's something that's related over in Proverbs that's really exciting to preach, and then look here in Psalm. I've got to preach the whole, whole chapter of Psalms. And actually here, all of Psalm 58 is parallel over to what's going on with Jeremiah. And we don't have time to preach it, but there's a whole other sermon here that's tied in, an element of it, and this piece of it is. But we'll just read the first few verses here to see the parallel. Do ye indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Take for a moment and just actually look at this instead of the context of it being here in the Psalms. Put it in the context of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah asks, Do ye indeed speak righteousness, O congregation? Do ye judge uprightly, O ye sons of men? Yea, in heart ye work wickedness. Ye weigh the violence of your hands in the earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. 
Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They're like the deaf adder that stoppeth her ear. Ooh. We can keep going. That's a description of the dudes Jeremiah was having to deal with. Like classic description of them. And our word dissembleth. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. And go astray. And notice again, it carries the idea of the hypocrisy, speaking lies. Do you see the nuance of the word? We start to see how the scriptures explain that word. It has the idea of erring, of going astray, of wandering, and being different on the inside than you are on the outside and being different on what you're really thinking than what you're actually saying. Do you see how it's all playing together? All of this is relevant. And here's something else that's again for us. We look back at these events, and we sit there, and we look at Jeremiah, and we look at these men, and we're like, how, I don't know what word to use, crazy, stupid, insane. How could they be so stupid? It's easy for us to say. We see cute, two cute little kids acting out Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuzaradan. You know, we don't see Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuzaradan like these people saw them. We, we don't see everything. But yet I take some interesting heed in this because it's easy for me to say, they are dissemblers. You give it to them, Jeremiah. They're a bunch of hypocrites. They're a bunch of dissemblers who have really gone astray already in their hearts. And this is just a great big show on the outside, speaking lies. They do err in their ways. It's crystal clear. Those people are evil, bad people. But then I start to understand and study that word, and I read Isaiah 53, and you know, sometimes we learn that as a child, and we actually lose the significance of it. All we like sheep have gone astray. All? Did you see this one? The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born. Speaking lies. Now, there's a lot that could be talked about here, but I'll just make one point. Take heed. Me, take heed. Lest I fall. What's really in my heart? Is my heart going astray? I mean, all we like sheep have gone astray. Am I in my heart going astray? Am I in my heart wandering? Am I in my heart erring? Everybody may see this good, pious person even asking for prayer. But really, you know, what's going on inside here? There's a universal problem of all of us wanting to be dissemblers. So what do we do? Well, this one comes from just reading your Bible and from a child learning the scriptures. Because the Lord brought to my mind Jeremiah 17, 9. And I hope when I give you that reference, you know a verse right off. Because I hope you've learned it from a child. This morning, I... I was thinking of the verse as I was meditating on all of this and saying, I know there's a verse in Jeremiah on this. And I, and, I, and, I, and I knew it because I was taught it as a child. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? 
I think we need to ask that question more as we consider our own hearts and say, who can know it? And what's the next verse? The Lord searches the heart. The Lord, he tries the reins. Am I humble enough to let him? You see, if you're a dissembler, if you're a hypocrite, if you're one who's gone astray in your heart even though no one else knows it, you got two choices. And they all have to do with stop being a hypocrite. You can't continue being a hypocrite. It'll kill you. It'll kill you. You can't continue being a hypocrite. So you got two choices. The first is repent. That is, humble yourself before God, allow him to search your heart, to show you your wicked way, and to let him cleanse you, and to let him give you the strength to do what is right. I recommend this option. And the other one is, stop living the lie. Be who you really are in your heart. And you'll continue in the congregation of the dead, and it won't be a happy life. Don't be a hypocrite, though. You got those two choices. These people chose to no longer be the hypocrites. They chose to no longer dissimulate. In the beginning, they said, God is witness between you and me. We'll do whatever God says. You just tell us what God says. Jeremiah calls them out. I'm glad they stopped being hypocrites. But oh, they chose the wrong way. Because instead of humbling themselves... They actually lifted themselves further up in haughtiness and in pride and turned on Jeremiah and Barak and accused them of being the liars. And then they continued to do and to be the evil, wicked people they had been all along. Some of these people were Jeremiah's contemporaries. They were there in the days when they were young and worshiping the queen of heaven with their girlfriends and their wives. And now they're old, and they weren't allowed to do that because Josiah, that godly king, now they're confronted with all of this. They've been through all the judgment of it. And instead of humbling themselves before God and repenting themselves of all of that evil, they're haughty. They're proud. They stop being hypocrites, and they pursue their wickedness. Don't to be a dissembler. But when you decide not to be a dissembler, don't do it in pride, for you will continue in the congregation of the dead. Humble yourself before God. Allow him to search your heart. Trust and obey him. Gracious God, we need you. We need you to fill us with your spirit to help us. Search our hearts. Know our ways. If there be any wicked way in our hearts, may you show it to us. And may we humbly find forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ and by faith and in your commands and in your truth and dependence of your spirit, go forth living in victory. Great God, we need your help. We pray these things in your name. Amen.